Hey Kyle, my name is Delia Benz King and I'm coming to you live from a beach up in Humboldt County. I just went for a Dawn Patrol surf, which was super fun and got to make some friends with our local seals out there. But speaking of surfing, I work for Surfrider and I thought this audience might be interested in learning about a campaign that Surfrider is working on currently to stop the Trump administration's proposal to open 90% of U.S. waters to new offshore oil drilling. So this is a dirty and dangerous plan for obvious reasons, like damaging marine ecosystems and coastal industries. But fortunately, right now, you all have a chance to stop this by helping our leaders of Congress pass amendments attached to the federal government's annual spending bill, which would help block plans for new oil and gas development off our coasts. It's really as simple as calling our House representatives' offices and saying, hey, I really like the ocean. Please support H.R. 3052 to protect U.S. waters from expanded offshore oil drilling. That was a lot of information, um, but... If you go to surfrider.org, you can find all of this and more. So I encourage you to check it out. Anyways, cheers, Kyle. Thanks for all that you're doing. And I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you for sending that in, Dilia. I will link to Surfrider's uh, campaign page in the podcast notes below, as well as on my website, kyle.surf. I encourage everyone to click that link and get involved could take a minute of your time and uh, make a big difference for our oceans. And I want all of you to send me in voice memos. You can email them to info at kyle.surf. Just try and keep them under 90 seconds. And give me some details about who you are and where you're listening from. Where are you right now? Are you on the 405 driving in traffic? Are you trimming weed up in Humboldt with a sore back? Are you in Atlanta, Georgia, about to go on stage for a rap battle? Bust out your phone, record some audio, send it to info at kyle.surf. That's also where you can sign up for my email list, which is freaking awesome. Like once a month, I send out an email with uh, best documentaries I've been watching, articles I've been reading. In case you missed any podcasts, I include those. You can go over to kyle.surf and check it out. This episode of the podcast is with Shane Heath and Paul DeJoe. They are the founders of Mudwater. And we had a blast. They sponsor each and every one of these uh, podcast episodes. Um, so I will just mention Santa Cruz Medicinals right now. Santa Cruz Medicinals just came out with a CBD-infused nootropic. Uh, and in it, it's got Forsklin, CDP, choline, 5-HTP, artichoke extract, alpha GPC, and all kinds of other stuff that makes you smarter and more capable to go out and kick ass and take names like the legend that you are. I'm going to read a short article, um, and you can go to Santa Cruz Medicinals, sorry, scmedicinals.com, type in the code name KYLE10, and get 10% off all of their supplements. You can also go to MudWTR. Dot com if you enjoy this podcast and you think, hey, these guys are doing rad stuff and I want to try some mud water, and you can get 10 bucks off your first subscription. You can cancel any time. Just type in Kyle10 in the promo code, and you'll get $10 off at mudwtr.com. I'm going to read a 
brief article that I wrote for Santa Cruz Waves that was just released. Uh, and it was about my experience doing a week-long silent meditation retreat. Uh, if you're in Santa Cruz, I recommend checking out Santa Cruz Waves. Uh, it's a free magazine, and they're at most coffee shops around town. So I'm going to get this, I'm going to read this article, and then we're going to start the episode. The article is called Sit Down and Shut Up. A friend told me to shut the fuck up. So I did. For a week. Last March at Mount Madonna Center, I meditated from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. for a week straight, with breaks only for meals and exercise. After having listened to dozens of podcasts with successful artists, entrepreneurs, and athletes who talk about meditation like it's the Ark of the Covenant, I figured it would be worth a try. Much like a beekeeper who becomes allergic to bees later in life, growing up in the miasma of charged crystals, Reiki healers, and unhygienic yogis, aka Santa Cruz, I have developed an autoimmune disorder to anything that seems like magical thinking. Admittedly, this tendency is unwise because my skepticism can easily become closed-mindedness, and I risk writing off legit stuff like turmeric and breathwork. Luckily, about a year ago, I found a very unwooey app called Waking Up, and have used it to meditate most mornings for 10 minutes before I start my day. Within the first 20 seconds of attempting to meditate, I usually have the insight that my mind is completely out of control. Like a dog chasing cars, my mind becomes possessed by the next thought that captures my attention, and it's not until the teacher's voice comes through my headphones that I am reminded that I am supposed to be meditating. The Ark of the Covenant that so many meditators allude to is the ability to train your dog to watch the cars drive by without leaving the porch. It has always struck me as odd that so few of us will spend even one full day of our life in silence. When I removed all stimuli from my life for a while, areas of my mind that typically remain dormant become available, most notably the ability to pay attention. Sam Harris, the meditation teacher in the Waking Up app, repeatedly says that boredom is just the inability to pay attention. I can attest that given the right amount of concentration, a task as simple as following your breath can become as captivating as bungee jumping. After all, bungee jumping and following your breath are both just exercises that focus your mind. I could get all holier than thou and tell you about my spiritual journey and the insights that I had on retreat. Translation, I'm better than you. But then I would be no more enlightened than the magical thinkers I love to poke fun at. So I'll close with this somewhat depressing thought instead. I have missed most of my life. For the majority of my waking hours, my attention has been hijacked by events that have happened or I believe or are bound to happen. These thoughts include people who have wronged me, fantasies about women, the upcoming swell, and arbitrary comparisons to others. The most pernicious aspect of these stories is that I am generally unaware that they are robbing me of the present moment. Experienced meditators, like Yoda and Adi Ashanti, can cut through these stories and pay attention to the now. And if the act of sitting down and shutting up can help me miss less of my life, then sign me up.
pounds here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Um, I read your article, Paul. Was it in Forbes? I, I originally was, posted. You're talking about the what about it's like to be being a CEO. an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was the title? Uh, it was "What's It Like to Be the CEO of a Startup Company." I, I originally wrote it in Quora, and then it got picked up by a bunch of different publications. One of them was Forbes. One of them was Newsweek, and it was really excellent, man. Thank you. Um, I I think that. Uh, it was just a, a, a really honest piece of writing. And uh, the two things that stuck with me from that article were um, the addiction that you can feel from having an idea and seeing it come to fruition so quickly. Yeah. Like that, the amount of time between having an idea and then seeing it in the world yeah. can be this like almost... Uh, like almost an erotic feeling. It's intoxicating. Right? Yeah. Intoxicating, yeah. Um, that was one, and then the other was the um, genuine joy that you feel from helping other entrepreneurs. For sure, yeah. Because you feel like they're part of this struggle that you're in, and, and it's very difficult to talk about it openly. Totally. You know? Yeah. They, they just, you can, you can feel them open up to you. Like, they'll say something, but then you watch their, like, back go back, and their shoulders drop, and they're like, thank God, like, I can talk to somebody, and that's just, that's so rewarding. Right. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, I, I talk to a lot of pro surfers on this podcast, mm -hmm. and I feel that same kind of understanding when they can talk about the struggle of traveling nine months out of the year, not mm -hmm. feeling like they really have a home, not being able to commit to anything. Like, you know, yeah. but they can't complain about it because people are like, dude, mm -hmm. suck a dick, dude. You yeah. get paid to surf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what inspired that article? Um, I mean, just the... I. I wouldn't say there was an inspiration. It was just, I was in the middle of the day to day of a startup and like, it was like, I think at 10 30 or 11 at night and I didn't like want to do something for work. It was probably taxes or some shit. And I like went into court just to fuck around. And I saw that question, like nobody had answered. I think maybe one or two people had like put a few um, sentence replies in. What is Quora? Quora is a question and answer site. It's, it was founded by some of the original team at Facebook it's quite, it's fascinating, man. I'm actually surprised you haven't like engaged with it. You'd love it. There's a lot of questions like, what's it feel like to murder somebody? What's it feel like to be in jail when you were innocent? And you'll just see these people tell these, you know, authentic, real stories and it's, it will suck you in because it's, you can tell what's real. Um, it's awesome. And so like, and the it was best my answers get curated to the yeah, top too. Yeah. There's a voting mechanism. Right. Too. So, you, so you're answering the murder question and then you're like, ah, I'll do the CEO of <laughs> <Yeah>. a startup. <laughs> nah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to answer the murder question because, um, cause you're starting up a startup. The jury's still out on, on that, but, yeah, um, an indictment is not a conviction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, I saw that and I was like, I had no intention for, I just answered it. It took me between five and ten minutes. So the question was, what's, what's it like it, to what's start it up? What's it feel like to be startup. the CEO of a startup company? Like I said, I like cruised through it. I mean, I've done some, I think, better pieces of writing and they've never taken me more than five minutes. It's just like, that was, that felt like that. I just cruised. Did not 
adjust for typos, I went to bed. I woke up and to like 30 text messages. It like got picked up on Reddit and um, Y Combinator's um, blog. And then like there was like a thousand upvotes wow. within a few days. And then I was starting to get like requests to go on speaking engagements and meeting people and entrepreneurs. I put my email in the post. And so like I had over 3000 entrepreneurs email me. I talked to every single one that wanted to talk. Wow. It what, was, it was awesome. what points do you think uh, people resonated with in the story? Uh, they all said the same thing. And this is kind of like, I got asked to do like a, a, a JV Ted talk <laughs> because of that. They had um, all said the same thing. Like I felt alone until I, you know, I read this and I like really wanted to meet you. I wanted to talk to you. Like there was a lot of really successful CEOs that were like, I, I really want to meet you. Wow. Um, what were some of the points that you brought up in the story that other entrepreneurs couldn't talk about? They like, I don't know if it was specific points. It was just like, I, I heard a couple people explain why it resonated with them and they were they explained to me they were just reading every sentence and shaking their head mm -hmm. and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like this one founder of, uh, what is this? I think it's desk.com. He's like, I really want to meet you. So like a wildly successful dude. And he was like, I was at the bar with my buddies and I was like, Hey guys, hold on. I got to go. And like, he like went off by himself and read this thing and then emailed me. That's cool. So it wasn't like anything that was like inspiring. It was like, they just like, wanted to talk to somebody else that right. was like putting it out there. Well, let me, let me rephrase the question. What were things that you were struggling with as an entrepreneur? I mean, you struggle like there's a book called hard things about hard things by um, Ben Horowitz. And he's, he's one of half of Andreessen Horowitz, which is like one of the most successful VC firms in, in the world. And, and he says the hardest thing is managing your own psychology. And it's true. It's like, at a startup, the default is failure, like you're failing. Um, and there's chaos and there's so much to do. And you, if you think you're, or feel like you're inadequate or you're always kind of second guessing yourself, like it just takes a little bit of a time and a few mistakes like that are back to back to where it kind of feels overwhelming. And if you know you're not going to quit, like <laughs> you can have multiple days, multiple weeks, multiple months where it, it's not easy at all. It's really hard. And then on top of that, if you're alone or you don't have somebody to talk to or your family doesn't get it or your friends don't get it, um, it's really isolating. Yeah, and I'll add in on that. Like, I mean, it's one of my favorite articles I've ever read, for sure, um, as an entrepreneur myself, too. Uh, and I think it, like, there's definitely points in there. I think the overall tone was something that really resonated. Super authentic. It, feel, it reads like a journal entry or almost like, have you seen the social network when he's like coding the site and there's that background narrative and he's kind of talking through all of his thoughts and it's just this like it's very this, stream it's of that, consciousness yeah it's just like this yeah. pace where it's just engaging and it grabs you um it feels like that and then i think on 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 the side that like what people struggle with when they're starting companies or in this in that position where there's no one telling you what to do how to do it what to prioritize um it could be the most fun thrilling thing ever because you are creating your destiny but then there's times where you have to make hard decisions. You don't know why something's going wrong and like nobody's there to help you. And I feel like he really illuminated that point like very well, like the, the good and bad in there. And the big problem in that is that there's a lot of posturing in this space. Like you go to these cocktail hours, these networking events and everybody's like, how's things going? Like, it's going great. They're doing this, they're doing that. Like nobody's really dropping in and, and being like, well, last week I didn't sleep at all. Like, I don't really know why. 
like I was just stressing, <laughs> like it sucked. <laughs> and um, and that, I feel like Paul kind of illuminated that, that this is real, it's real life, so. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever uh, have you ever read the book A Million Little Pieces no. by James Frey? It's, no. uh, it's a really famous book um, about a guy who goes into rehab, and it's a um, kind of an autobiography story of his rehab experience. But it's written in a very similar way. Like the sentences are short mm. and mm-hmm. snappy, and it's just thoughts inside of mm-hmm. his head, and they're not. It almost doesn't come across as organized, mm-hmm. but it's very real because the thoughts in our mind don't read like a book yeah they read mm. like one sentence to the next second you know and and i when you can when you can hit that frequency all of a sudden people resonate with it because they're like fuck that's the stream of consciousness that i'm going through in my day yeah it's less like oh this is his story it's like you're living his story mm. all of a sudden yeah yeah i felt that i felt that absolutely um and uh one thing i've known i'm noticing about mudwater is that you guys are trying your very best to build a company where you don't go insane and your life insurance policy <laughs> doesn't kick in at 35. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, Paul and I had started a company prior, like we met, I just got home from India. I wanted to work for a company that I didn't have to commute to. I had a couple of requirements, you know, I, I wanted to live a life where I could travel still, I had some freedom. And Paul reached out to me online and was like, I'm starting this startup. We just got some some funding. We're an incubator. Like, the way Paul works is he's very unorthodox. Like, he was just like, try it out. Like, I'll pay you X amount per hour and work a couple hours, see what you can do. And um, What was the startup? Uh, the previous company is called Cavalry. It's still going. It's like on-demand um, sales reps, if you will. Okay. So Shane, you started working for Cavalry. Yeah, yeah. I just I just started cranking out some hours, and uh, and then we just started working really really well together, and I ended up joining as a co-founder on that project yeah. too. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then did you? Then, but then you brought Paul into Mudwater. Right. Yeah. Right. So when I was starting Mudwater, I mean, we work very well together on that project, and so we just stayed in touch, like friends we also are like each other's therapists at times and so when i was starting it naturally i was just texting him every day about every everything and it worked out i mean it was pretty cool because he was a coffee drinker like he drank tons of coffee and like kind of looked at my drink when i was drinking it working on calvary and was like what the fuck is that <laughs> it looks terrible um so getting him over the the hump was um, a test, like it kind of gave me confidence in the, the product too. And, um, you know, I don't know if Paul wants to touch on some of the things, like some of the benefits he found from it, but he wrote an article on that too. Like, like oftentimes we'll just kind of give each other these prompts in the office, um, to try to cultivate that natural response that, that was, um, generated in, in the Cura posts, um, where we'll just be like, why did you join? Yeah. Just don't. And, and he'll often be like, if you if you start spending more than like half hour on this, like stop and like start again when you can flow. Mm, yeah. yeah, asking better questions. Mm-hmm. You guys both seem very question oriented. You're all, you're you're almost like journalistic in the way that you're moving that you're growing the company. Yeah, it's like it, it, it's so rewarding to be working with with Shane because like like we had this epic mammoth trip with the company last week and the whole car ride home like was just questions about questions 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 about anything it's like not and for our own sake it's not like we're we have an agenda 
I'm just curious what he thinks about something and vice versa. Um, and, and the company feels the same way. Right. So. I had a, you know, I do these little voice memos where people will call in and they can yeah. ask questions. They'll be, hey, I'm on a mountaintop and <laughs> there's a dolphin below me. And you I know, sent you one of those, man. I know, there was way was too much too wind windy. in it. You're like, hey, man, I'm on a ski lift. I was doing a retreat. I'm finding myself. <laughs> 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 like, Shane, dude, like, wait until you're at the top of the ski lift. And you're Can't like, nah, wait. man, it'll be ambiance. I didn't like, know, dude. <laughs> Shut the fuck I up, dude. I thought it was beautiful. Nah, man, you didn't listen back to it. You just sent it. I could tell. Anyway, I got one from a guy who said... Um, he said, uh, "Hey man, I'm look. I'm I've been surfing for about four years, and I want to surf Mavericks. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to some someone who wants to surf Mavericks after you know four years of surfing? The biggest wave I've ever surfed is eight feet. And I was like, like I wanted to immediately be like, don't fucking surf Mavericks if you've surfed for four years. Like, I've been surfing since I was ten years old, and I just started surfing that wave. It'll fucking rip your head off. Mm-hmm. But I." I thought about it for a little bit and I thought the better question is why do you want to surf Mavericks? Right. And then if you Mm. can answer that question, Mm. maybe there's another route, Yeah, you know, because is it to get publicity or is it this internal search that you have to test yourself as a man? I think that a lot of young men are Mm. really lacking that and they just need something to push up against and find out what they're really made of. Um, But maybe there's a route that is safer and it's not such, you know, I mean, maybe you could hike the PCT, maybe you could just surf a 10 or 12 foot wave and get Mm -hmm. that. And I think that similarly, there are so many assumptions that are made in business where people are like, I want to surf Mavericks. Mm -hmm. We're going to be, we're going to be the next dollar shave club. And like, well, why do you want to be the next dollar shave club? Everybody just wants to get laid more. That's it. If you strip Mm -hmm. that away, it's like, okay, like, what are we really doing? here? Yeah. Neil Brennan has a great bit about how all great inventions have been the result of wanting to get laid. Sure. And like Thomas Edison was like, wow, electricity, this is going to change the world. But wait till these hoes see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah the, the asking the why thing is for sure like the fabric of this. Like originally the product was kind of created out of me asking why do I drink coffee? I was drinking coffee with everybody in the office, meanwhile experiencing side effects that weren't necessarily beneficial to my life. Sleep was degrading, My, uh, I was getting jitters. I think naturally I'm somewhat of an anxious person. Uh, I don't know if that's just like this. I just always need to be creating and my mind is running and coffee definitely didn't help that. Um, but I was kind of just following the lead of culture and, and then I started questioning that and it became this really empowering thing where now I try to question why I do almost everything. If I'm doing something mindlessly, I like take a step back and be like, why am I doing that? And maybe there's an answer, maybe there's a good answer and I'll keep doing it, but maybe there's not and it'll redirect me in a new way. And if what I've found is that new way typically either feels better, is better, or inspires other people even, you know? And I think that this has been that way and our, we're trying to weave that into how we build our company, like back to the question of, or, or your observation that we're building a company that's not going to kill us. Um, like, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who start these businesses and they're killing themselves, basically. Like, they're, they're never sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, similar to the coffee culture, it's kind of tied in. It's like sleep when you're dead. Like, if you're not grinding it out every single night, like, you're not really working hard. Mm-hmm. And I've questioned that, you know, now. I mean, and I've been that 100%. I think Paul has, too. Yeah. 
and we we question each other on that and every morning we get a slack message slack is our internal communication method and we set up a bot that kind of cues up a couple questions and the first question is how did how well did you sleep last night it's like the most important thing it's like the base level of your own psychological healing like that's how you go home that's how you process everything you did that day that's how you become better the next day but also i think that if, if you're It'll heal. I mean, it'll balance out your anxiety. It balances out all of that stuff. And so, so if you're not sleeping well, like don't come to work almost, you know, it's like that. Or don't important. make big decisions that day. And for definitely sure. don't make big decisions. Yeah. So, um, so you every morning will answer this series of questions and all the employees at Mudwater will. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, how well did you sleep last night? Um, what are you grateful for? A little affirmation like I am dot 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 that normally turns into somewhat of a joke uh, <laughs> what what amazing things did you do yesterday it's almost like the five minute journal it's this really cool app um, extended and just targeting for our internal team which is small but but fun and, and it's I mean it's more of like a something for you you know but it's cool mm -hmm. to share be accountable with your team yeah um, yeah absolutely man I, I think that um, you know what I'm hearing you say is that a lot of these when you ask a lot of these why questions it's kind of a reductionist method totally. like you you're you are um saying no to more things because you're like wait why am i drinking this coffee why mm. am i drinking this alcohol wait mm. okay i'm just gonna remove this from my life it's gonna be more simple and i'm gonna be mm -hmm. more effective mm -hmm. as a result and i can relate to that completely because when i was doing um you know last winter doing the motherfucker awards i was engaging a lot of powerful people who were willing to give me a little bit of their time. So I had to be yeah. very calculated to know when I was going to engage them because mm -hmm. the second I wasted their time and engaged them before I really needed them, they were fucking out. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, that was the most like it was almost like surfing a heat where it's like okay, I need to get two really good waves in this 20 minutes and it's and every wave I catch that's not going to be a set wave is not worth going on, right? So, like, engaging someone like Matt Taibbi, who agreed to fly out from the East Coast, I probably had two correspondences with him before he did it. Hmm. And there were, like, short text messages. Like, I, I asked him if he wanted to be a part of the Motherfucker Awards, like a three-sentence email, and he said, I'm in, what do I need to do? I'm yeah. Like, Okay. Keep them on. Keep, keep them on. on. Keep, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's almost like a yeah, like it, you're you're fishing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you're like, okay, how far am I gonna pull this in? But the bit I made a few mistakes um through the process and it was the result a hundred percent of waking up, not um having a, a mindful morning where I really grounded in and started sending text messages high on coffee. Mm, like mm. I'm fucking psyched, mm. Woo! Abby yeah. Martin. Hey, like, what do you want to do? And then I'm like, Abby Martin. Like, hey, you know, are, are you down to meet next week? Like, okay, yeah, great. We're making this happen. And then I'm like, wait, no, I need to do this steps three, four, and five before I engage you. Fuck, I just did that because I was high off my ass on coffee. Mm -hmm. And it's like this overexcitement, this overenthusiasm can be very destructive. Yeah. So by slowing down and answering a few of these questions, having a more mindful morning, you can be fuckload more effective. Yeah, and I think especially these days where, like, I think coffee is really good for tasks where you're moving bricks from point A to point B. It's like you have this, like, energy, you almost have this, like, drug. But right now it's all about how creative are you? How well can you, how mindful are you in in having these conversations, cultivating other people's inspiration 
Um, and that's a lot more nuanced and it's, it's not this like powerful, like get it done approach. It's quite the opposite. Like you want to be trying to be more effective than, um, and efficient, right? And so oftentimes that takes the ability to step back and have perspective on like, wow, am I being a little abrasive in this conversation or, or whatnot? And I think that caffeine to me and it seems like to a lot of people has somewhat of a, the opposite effect that w what you would want in that sort of environment. And yeah, for me, like painting is the same way. Like I can't, I can't be creative when I'm like all high on caffeine, like jittered out, like, oh shit. Yeah. But I, but I could probably run a marathon or something you know right <laughs> yeah 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 do, do you drink coffee paul not anymore i had a yeah like he said my my experience with mud is, is kind of funny like i was like three to five cups a day like and like would look forward to going to sleep at night because i knew i was going to drink a coffee at like 4 a.m in the morning like that's how much i loved coffee he wakes up very early <laughs> 4 a.m is not a joke and so um when Shane was bringing, uh, you know, mud around a, to cavalry, he, he was not going for look or aesthetics. I can assure you that there was a, like a floating chaga mushroom in his hydro flask. And, you know, Shane like probably doesn't wash the hydro flask all that often. He's like, dude, try this. I'm like, get that the fuck out of my face, dude. There's a fucking turd in there. And, uh, he's like, I'm serious, man. And he just kept pitching. I'm like, dude, when are you going to give up? Like, I'm not putting my lips on the hydro flask. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So like he just, he, he texted me one day. It was like, dude, I threw this website up and you know how talented he is. I was like, I'm in, how do I help? But I started flying out here like randomly. Cause I mean, I just, I loved working with him and like, I kind of like, there was so much, it was so much fun being around him and like noodling on ideas. Um, I'd done it a few times with cavalry where I flew out and we designed some stuff, but and we were driving the, um, the, 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 the mud, the box of the mud to the USPS location and his van in trash bags. And we were putting him in the hopper there, like walking in at this point, like they knew who we were and they were just like, just drop it off guys. And I remember like I had my coffee in my, in the van and I was like, this is so like disingenuous. Like if I'm going to help out, I should probably start drinking this shit. And, uh, two days it took me and I hadn't drank, a, I couldn't drink coffee again because I had, I had such a problem sleeping at night for the longest time. Um, I used to joke, like if I could have one superhero power it would be to be able to go to sleep at like nine o'clock. Um, and I was like getting sleep and then I didn't have this anxiety which if you have anxiety, like coffee's an all time bad idea, especially five cups a day. And like, it sounds like obvious in hindsight, but I never thought it was coffee cause I was, I would look so forward to it. Later I realized like that was withdrawal, like going away in the morning. That's why you feel good. But yeah, like in 10 months I've had two coffees. One was on accident cause they served a mud latte the wrong way. And then, <laughs> um, one was like at 10 AM in an, in an airport and I couldn't sleep that night. And it was jazz all day. Like it, it's the real deal, man. And by the way, like I was on anxiety meds and I got off them cause I was like not drinking. Wow. What kind of meds? It was like a generic form of Prozac. Yikes. And like, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend, I don't like, I'm not here to give, um, medication advice. I'm just saying like, if you have anxiety, like try getting away from coffee it will help a little bit yeah. and, and sleeping and sleeping. Well. Yeah. If you're, if you're like, if you're not sleeping and you don't have a routine, Jordan Peterson talks about this like a lot, like when they, when they dig into like doing 
you know, helping people with whatever is ailing them, the first questions are like, are you sleeping and do you have a routine? Because if you don't have that, it's hard to build, it's hard to have any foundation. And like, if you just start sleeping, you're, you're so much better off. And I was, it was the first time as long as I can remember that I was sleeping, like in REM cycle sleep through the night and waking up and feeling refreshed. And dreaming. Dreaming is amazing. Yeah. Fuck, it's so cool. Yeah. Dude, when you have some vivid dreams and you walk up and you wake up and you're like I was in another world for a little while Mm -hmm. so um, you guys might already know this uh, pop quiz Uh, there's an average amount of heart attacks that Mm -hmm. take place in the US every single year Mm -hmm. and on one day a year that rate doubles what day of the year do you think that is daylight savings heard this one ding 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 (laughs) ding 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 <laughs> Someone's heard Matthew Walker. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Because there's people who lose on daylight savings, they lose one hour of sleep. And, you know, for you and I, we're a mile away from that cliff that's called a heart attack. But for a lot of people, they're right on the edge of that cliff. And if you take away, if you remove one hour of sleep, Dude. that pushes them off the cliff. There was another study done. Um, this, it's this book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It completely supports your. Um, we have it in the office. It's great, right? With NFL players tracking injuries um, in direct correlation to sleep patterns. Wow. Yeah, because you lose your your fast twitch muscles. So yeah, I mean, if you can uh, engineer one aspect of your life, it's it's how you sleep. I mean, Mm -hmm. as far as the the 80-20 principle. Yeah, uh, and I never really thought about it. Like, Like nobody talks about it in that light, really, until more recently. It's coming out more. Um, we're, we're actually coming out with a dream blend. So something, it's very similar flavor profile that what we currently are drinking here, but, uh, it has a decaffeinated chai. So chai rooibos tea, no caffeine. And it has a couple different mushrooms, but then it also has valerian root, ashwagandha, uh, passion flower, L-theanine in it. So it's like a really nice way to end the night. Like this, like evening rituals are just as important as the morning ritual. If you're trying to fall asleep well. Um, so yeah, I try to build all my rituals around sleep. It's like eight hours of your day. It's got to be important, right? Like Matthew Walker talks about that evolutionarily. They don't know why, like they don't fully know why it's such a integral part of our day, such a big investment of our life. Um, but I'm erring on the side of caution and being like, it Mm. probably is, you know? Wow. Yeah. Have you, have you had any other like really strange, um, benefits, like more wet dreams at night? (laughs) (laughs) You call it a strange benefit. I think that's like, (laughs) I mean, just like, well, I'm an environmentalist. So like you have to wash your sheets more and it's just really, it's, there's no positive benefit. benefit. I mean, yeah, the more you sleep, the more wet dreams you probably have just out of like a percentage type thing. Yeah. I don't know why you call that a benefit. I wake up and be like, what the fuck? God damn it. I'm not going to tell anyone this. Hip, hip, hooray. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I think up until I started really focusing on sleep, I, I started right after I started doing that, I'd like started waking up and being like, whoa, like it's so mm-hmm. intense when you actually have deep sleep. You're like, that's what it feels like. It's wild. Like you feel so rested. And um, after just coming back from lightning in a bottle where I got very, very minimal sleep, <laughs> I cannot wait to have a good night's sleep. There's, yeah. a, there's a, I think what's, what's cool about kind of what we're trying to build here is also like we are, we're very competitive. We go, we go very fast. We work like, a lot of hours, but we do also like take care of ourselves. And there's always this like undertone of like, 
oh, is Shane outworking me if I don't go in and like, or should I go in early? And it's hard to shake that when you're competitive, but like if you can frame it in a way and give and give each other like a break where like he's, he's called a couple of times and like, dude, I don't know. I'm not feeling great. I'm like, please go to sleep. Like don't come in today. And like, I, you know, genuinely believe that his best work is rested and like mistakes happen and irritability happens when you're not rested. And for whatever the reason is, it's like, mm-hmm. go do that investment first before you come in. And like, it's the same way with me too. It's like, yeah, dude, go to sleep. Don't worry about it. Um, and, and if you start there and you get, you give your team like that, like playbook, like this is where it starts. Um, it feels like, oh, this is important. I have to take care of this first. And then the work follows. Like, Would it be accurate, Paul, to say that w- one of your superpowers is taking companies from one level to the next? Oh, man. I would not classify that into a superpower mode. Um, what do you think you are good at? Shit, man. Um, Showing up every day. <laughs> God, I can't say that. Well, um, I just I think that I think, there's well I'll, I'll just I'll, mm. I'll tell you where I'm going with this question mm. because I get to sit down with a lot of people who um, are running businesses that are very ethical, mm. um, very much take the environment into the into account, mm. um, and they're all very small businesses, mm. and I think that it's really difficult for ethical businesses to make that next jump. Mm-hmm. You look at Patagonia as the mm-hmm. shining example of a company that, that did it right from day one, and now they're a billion-dollar company. Mm-hmm. But you don't see that happen yeah. a lot. And I think that a lot of, uh, that it's very common for, for companies to hit this kind of ceiling when they're trying to take a more holistic approach to their business. Because you know, if, if you yeah. don't have any ethics and you know, greed is good, let's fucking snort some lines of cocaine yeah. like the wolf of Wall Street and get as big as possible as quickly as possible and use mm-hmm. the cheapest resources possible, like yeah. you're going to be able to outcompete unless you have a very strategic mind that can position yourself to get to get the market of people who really um, yeah. gravitate towards your brand because of the ethics of it. And they're yeah. going to choose your brand over others because of that ethos that you've created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess, okay, I think what I'm okay at doing, and Shane can challenge this if he doesn't agree, but I mean, the, the job of a CEO or a leader is like to set the mission, set the vision, and then get the right people on the bus. But those people on the bus have to have the right risk palette like they need to understand the the uncapped upside that we were working towards here because if you're like there for a paycheck that's going to fizzle out that's like an insatiable appetite that never gets you know served and um so you have to screen for the right people and then they have to kind of see you leading by example and then you know you know I don't I think I'm okay at doing that and like so getting the right people on the bus and like just leading by work example and i've you know i made a million mistakes like i like the last company is kind of like haunting me a little because i didn't i don't we didn't pivot fast enough into something and and you know that's on me so like i'm reticent to say that you know i'm i have a superhero power but if if i do anything good i think it's like screening for people that i know will go fast that like are good people that um have the right risk palette and like can kind of match my work ethic what do you mean by risk palette okay so like if you work at a startup 
you're you're most likely not getting paid your market rate probably not even close you're there because you are not motivated by money you're motivated by what we're trying to create and that's not easy to find people that will sacrifice the monthly paycheck of what they're worth to like come in probably work longer hours probably be underappreciated without much direction um and and there's a certain type of person that like absolutely loves that shit and like you want those people around if you're like going and searching for like we need to fill this vp of whatever role and like they need top dollars like i don't know you got to find like the rock stars before they know they're rock stars like shane and i I think i'm okay at that don't tell him he's a rock star (laughs) he he doesn't respond to my text messages anymore and i'm like motherfucker he's getting it it's coming to his head too much mud in his head shake it down dude (laughs) um Paul, Paul is also just the most generous person like you'll ever meet. Mm. Um, and I think that makes him naturally like a, like a people person. Um, and I view, you know, my skill set as much more in the design, creative vision side of things. Um, Paul's also great at that, but he kind of fills that void. Not that I'm not a people person. But Paul is like that, like, he's just like your boy. Like, he's just kind of brings that to our team where everybody feels like really, really taken care of. And I think we both are inspiring each other to like, we're both trying to, you know, rub off these qualities into each other. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's great having him around because it's make it's giving me this, um, this perspective, uh, on how he is and how I can be like where my flaws are. And, uh, and then we always just question each other because on a large part of our personalities like we are very similar in our work ethic and our just capacity to always question ourselves and question each other um and I think starting a company previously and you know having it it's still running but like we had to kind of shut it down and most of the times when that happens it's like it's really rough on the relationship between the founders because there's always this like finger pointing who made the mistake um, but if the founders can become, can re- maintain that friendship and respect, oftentimes that bond is like so much stronger, you know, you guys just failed together. And I think we've, from that failure, we've learned, but together, you know, so now, um, it, it's just like a really good compliment. You guys are like early homo sapiens taking off on rafts and you're like, we're fucking going for it. <laughs> we're, going. we're going for it. Yeah. And we're out here in the middle of the ocean and we could either blame each other if it doesn't work out. Yeah. But we're we're the few that might find Australia. Just yeah. pick up the paddle. There's Just a, pick up the paddle, and then you find Australia, and you're like, "What?" I think it There's was, a kangaroo. I think it was Reed Hoffman, um, who's the founder of LinkedIn, who said like, "Entrepreneurship is like jumping off the cliff and building the the plane on the way down." Mm. And it's a good one. Cool. It's, that's what it's like. It's like you know, it's, it's the great unknown, and like everybody th- thinks you're an idiot, except the guys in your foxhole and. Um, you're an idiot until it starts working and then they're like, I knew it. <laughs> so when you're like, give me an example. If let's say I come in and I'm like, Hey, I'm interested in working for mud water and mm-hmm. you're screening for me. Mm-hmm. What are the, the qualities or questions that you would ask to decide whether or not you would want to hire me? I was, I was listening, uh, or I was looking at an Instagram video with Tony Robbins the mm-hmm. other day, and, and he was like, this is Tony Robbins' business class, and it's not the employee yeah. that you hire that ruins your business, it's the employee that you fail to fire that ruins your business. That's not, a, it's not untrue. Like, if you're, I'll answer your question in a second. I think one fascinating thing, um, 
there's a there's a VC firm in New York led by a guy named David Ambrose, and they like researched like what is the what are the two what are the factors that um, are most correlated with successful companies that take VC money? It's fascinating. One of them is um, monthly updates. Do they stay on their monthly updates to their investors? And then the other thing was like um, firing quickly. If if a founder can do it, the the most successful companies they saw, the founders did that. Mm. which is so so interesting. So to your point like yeah, like you have to fire people quickly and most of the time a lot of time it's a relief to them. They like know they're not doing a good job and like they see what's happening around them and they're not you know holding up their bargain. They don't they're not meant to be there. And if you like try to make it work for them and they're not meant to be there, you've set a bar at your company that shows other people what's acceptable and that's the beginning of the end. Like the next person you hire has to be he, they have to raise the bar. They have to be like the best in the world at something. So to your question, like I don't have a, like a methodology of like, oh, let me pull up my checklist. It's just like, I'd get to know you. Like, where are you from? What are you excited about? Like, tell me some like cool shit you worked on and like, why do you want to be here? Like, we're not going to pay you that well. Like, where'd you, where'd you find us? Like, do you drink it? Like, and you can get a feel for some people. And like, also too, like you never know until you throw them into it. So it's like, cool, you know, like, sh- like, how I met Shane is like, I'll give you a project. Um, and it, this is how the last five people I hired at previous companies started to like, I'm going to give you a project, you take 30 days. Let's check in at 30, 60, 90 days. We're going to pay you well. If it works for you and it works for us, let's keep going. So you'll do check-ins after a month or two. Yeah. But you know, like way sooner than that. It's usually, it takes like a week, like Shane, I mean, he's a, he's a fucking maniac, but like I gave him a project at the last company. I was like, yeah, dude, like we, this is a big project. We need a whole interface redesign for this, you know, this customer. And he was like, take two weeks, come back to us. I'll pay you your rate. And he was, he sent me a mock-up in two hours. And I was like, did you steal this offline? I got, I have to know. And he's like, no, it's like, cause it's awesome. Yeah. I was like, you're in. Have you, have you ever had to fire anyone? Yeah. What was it like when you fired the first person? What was it like that morning when you woke up? Well, it's, you know, it's not as hard as you think because like if you care that much about your business and other people around you, like you need those guys gone. Um, And one guy sued me. Um, I had to fucking fly to Boston and defend this like lawsuit. He's like claiming all this stuff that happened. I like had the paperwork. It was the case was done in like, I don't know, 20 minutes. I mean, it was just like gnarly. I'm like, what is going on here? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not as hard as you think it's because like if, you, if the people around you like care that much about the business, you can't like have those people around. You just can't. It's like, it's a disservice to them. Um, they don't like those people around either. You have to look out for your team. So, and it, it's not like, it's not malicious. It's like, Hey, it's, it's, it's not re- really not working out. Like, can I help you transition? That guy sued me, but usually I'm like, what can I help you find? Like you're awesome. I I like you as a person, but you know, will you, will you tell them specific things that they were not, um, specific items that they were not meeting before you fire them? Uh, I don't, I don't like getting new a laundry list. It's just like, Hey, here's why it's not working for us. Um, and, and it's got to feel that way for you, but I like you. I appreciate what you did, but what can I make some interest for you? Like, where do you want to work? Like, I know a lot of people and that, you know, that's like a testament of like getting the right people on the bus. Like, you know, most of the time they're like appreciative. 
they're not like trying to get back at you because it wasn't working. It's like they're good people. Would you make an intro to them for another company if you fired them? Yeah, because because like I was saying before, you can get to the bottom of like, what do you really want to work on, man? Because if you really wanted to work on this, you'd be doing way better. And, and they're, they're like, they're I like, want to dance. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I just I'm wanted you here. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, why didn't you say that? I wanted to dance. <laughs> you have me here as a coder. <laughs> I'm not living my life for a passion. I want to go to San Sebastian and dance. You're like, cool, man. I'm going to make an intro for you. It's all good. I know a dance company down at the beach in San Sebastian. Dude. Yeah, like if someone wants to dance, you got to find them a dance partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's never personal, really. Like, you could take it personal, but I think that if you're firing from that place where you're, like, actually legit pissed, like, that's probably not a good time. Like, you let it settle <laughs> a little bit, because it's, I mean, that person is probably just trying their best where they are in their current life, and I think if you phrase it in that way, it's, it's fine. Like, they're going to live. Everybody will be fine. Shane Heath. Yo. What you have that I've also noticed about this company is you have uh, an art director, a coder, brander, and founder all in the same person. Mm. And you're really fucking good at branding. And you've branded everything that I've ever done since I started the Surfing for Change series. And I think that it has had a huge impact on the success because people will see the brand and then they'll be like, Oh, this is cool. I love it. The amount of people that have commented on the Motherfucker Awards mm-hmm. logo of the middle finger spinning the world Dope. is outstanding. And I always will give you something and I'm like, hey, like, will you do this? And you're like, ah, Mabes, Poss, we'll see. <laughs> like, and I'm like, God damn it. Like, is Shane just going to like put like it's going to be on the back burner for him because he has way more yep. important shit to do. And I've never been able to pay you what you're worth. But then every single time you come back with something that's fucking unbelievable. Like, you've never actually sent me back anything that I was like, come on, dude. Like, really? Why'd you do that? You'll just, like, you'll put it to the side until you get that, like, I don't know what it is. Like, spark of inspiration or, like, steal from some other artist. Like, what is Mm -hmm. it? Because it's a fucking incredible talent that's almost indescribable. It pisses you off a little bit. It pisses me off. It's like, that's fucking cheating. Like, that's not cool. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's like you, I mean, I would imagine it's like, uh, you know, getting onto the, it's like getting onto the the basketball court with someone who's like, ah, yeah, I play a little basketball. And there's like shooting threes every single time. They're like, ah, maybe it's possible. Lace up the shoes. Lace up them shoes. We'll see. Thank you, dude. Um, Yeah, I think it's kind of like, I have a weird style and design i've always i've never worked for a big team i've always loved just being my own my own person my own team i guess you could say and i've tried to build up a skill set that allows me to do that do a lot in the design if somebody comes to me an idea with an idea i can think about the idea for a little bit and almost run these simulations of different possibilities and way it could look and think about like how people are going to perceive it like this radical empathy kind of thing where I can run through and be like, that's a bad idea because of this, 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 this is a good idea. This has potential and kind of like in my mind almost start to push things aside. And so when I dive into a project, it's almost, it's like 80% built just Mm. in my mind. And you won't Um, write any of this down. It'll all just be. I'll do like, you know, sketches, but they look like cave paintings or something. You'd never know what they are. Like you wouldn't, but in my mind, it's almost like this language that 
that like I can see and I can reference if I once I dive back in, which is like chicken scratch, you know, which is really common. So you can um, you can predict what will turn people off by certain images or colors or turn them on or make them identify with it in your mind very easily. Yeah, I think I, maybe if I had a superpower, it'd be like I can like almost look at something through somebody else's eyes to a certain degree, um, which in relationships and whatnot is almost like painful because I can sometimes I'm just in my head too much on like in a social setting even like how people are perceiving that moment and you know me or what I said or what that person said like I'm just like constantly in that space but with design and maybe art to a certain degree like it's really helpful um and then with the the time thing like when like I get a lot of people requesting like little projects here and there and they are small and I do work really fast and I think I've you know I've built that ability um from like out of years of work and uh, being really hard on myself and and getting there but back to like the moving bricks thing like design and creativity in general is not moving bricks from point a to point b um even if it takes me like a short amount of time it takes a lot of it's like this energy that needs to cultivate and then once it's there i can just be like boom like it's right. done yeah people aren't paying you for the hour of work that it took you to create the logo they're paying you for the 15 years mm -hmm. of work mm -hmm. that you've been thinking about inside your mind right right and Mudwater has been the, the the culmination of all of that and when i started it pretty much a year to go to this day i think it was like actually maybe a couple of days ago it was like the one year anniversary um i woke up one morning with this hit of inspiration and the whole vision, the brand was literally in my head and in my body. I could feel it. And I opened up my computer and just designed it. Had no, there was no, like, is this a good idea or a bad idea for the small little components of it? Like even like where to place certain things on the packaging. It was this fluid, conf <coughs> confident and fluid just expression. And like as though I knew what it was already. Um, You're like J.K. Rowling. She knew all. Wild. She knew all seven of the Harry Potter books before she started writing them. Yeah, it was cool. And and I think another piece of that was that I was working for another company before, and you know, being held back by not not held back, but restrained by having to pitch my ideas to somebody, which was like this good buildup of like all of a sudden now I was just like free to create. And I just ran with it and I didn't ask for permission on anything. And it was just like free flowing, gave me tons of energy and just started multiplying. Um, and then the other component was it was it was just, um, you know, like it was me. It was my aesthetic, what I like, uh, what I wanted to say. Like it was my words. It was like how I talk. Yeah, um, and, it's very punny. And so that was another thing that made it really easy too. right. Yeah, oh, it's like Shane's fingerprints are all yeah, over I've everything heard, I've in Mudwater. Yeah. Um, you will also um, challenge people with the ideas. Like I, I think that you're very keenly aware of, you know, what will turn people on, what will turn people off, but also what is aspirational, mm. because having the logo "fuck your coffee," that the Mudwater logo is is challenging and it's adversarial in a way. Mm -hmm. So you, like one thing I've noticed is that you don't only come up with an idea that you think, oh, this will be easy and people will like it and it won't challenge them. Like you have a, you're very, very finely attuned to like, oh, you're a, you've surfed a six foot wave. I'm going to get you into an eight foot wave with this 
with this logo. Mm. Like you're showing people what's possible a little bit. And and I think that that is um it's it's I I mean I don't I don't actually know how to do it necessarily, but I think that it's a um like the fingerprints of a true artist because you want to be challenging mm-hmm. you know th- th- your base. Yeah, and I think that that goes back to like the asking questions thing and getting people to ask questions, right? right? The the fuck your coffee thing was inspired by something you see at Burning Man a lot where anything that people start to think is really cool or associate with their identity like you'll see these stickers that say like fuck your art car or fuck your burn and it's not it's not mean it's literally to make you question why you are doing something like and you look at it and you're like why am I taking it so serious and that's seriously what it is and it's that's I remember it as being so I just thought it was so funny to see that and so and actually really useful to have that frame of mind. And so the, the fuck your coffee thing was that it was like nobody, everybody talks about their coffee. Everybody's going to get their coffee and nobody's saying like, why are you drinking that? Like, it's just such a cool thing. And that's what got me into it. Like, I just thought it was cool. I thought it was going to allow me to do everything better, do it faster. I thought it's what pro- productive people did. And then all of a sudden, like, fuck your coffee. Like, it's not, I'm not saying like fuck you like fuck you like in an angry way it's literally like you're challenging have, have some fun with it yeah, like, and why ch- are you drinking and, it? and like, you're challenging uh, a story that's running in someone's mind that they didn't even know was mm-hmm. running yeah and, and like mud water the name in it of itself is like we're not we're not coming to market being like it's mountain dew it tastes great and have all these action sports athletes drinking it meanwhile it's straight sugar water like we are literally i know it's like a, it's a healthy drink and it, like Paul said, it like looks like mud, you know, and we're not trying to come in here with this like fake fluffy thing. And I think that that has been in a similar vein there. And we get Instagram comments or people like, I would never drink something called mud. <laughs> I'm like, that says a lot about you. Like you are literally <laughs> making your consumer behavior based off of a name, not the substance. Like, cool. Right. And I literally will respond like, cool, you probably shouldn't then. And I think that like we try to make a brand that's very human. Like we're not gonna, we're not swinging the sign out front like, like a Pizza Hut, like saying "Come drink our product." Like we're a lot. We I want to be more human. And um, when people comment things on our posts, I want to respond to them like a human in like a surprising way. Uh, even if it's some like it's not. We're not all nice, you know. Like we're not trying to be like we respect you as a customer and this and that. Like, we just want to be real. Like, we're having a conversation with you. Like, why wouldn't you drink something called mud? Like, really, you're scared of a name? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. scared of mud? My girlfriend used to work at a restaurant, and she said the best part was that the manager said, if a customer's ever been an asshole, you can just tell them to leave. Yeah, it's great. Like, customer's not always right. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's not for you. Yeah. Don't be a dick. And then I think oftentimes when you take that stance, the, the people that resonate with it, they resonate it with, with it like 10 times stronger you know um so the people that do cross that chasm they like love our name they're they're like telling their friends about it because of our name um yeah i think that there's a huge movement right now among people who have been sold this idea of convenience and uh are not satisfied with it because they realize that to be human, there needs to be some struggle. You need to be, mm. you require struggle yeah. to, to find out who you really For are. For appreciation. Right. Too. And if you're drinking Mountain Dew, which there's no struggle, woo, this tastes great and sugary, you're going to end up being a fat fuck who's unhappy <laughs> and depressed, mm-hmm. right? But, but 
I think that they're largely because of podcasts. I think there is this movement and this this ideology of that struggle is good, and and the certain amount of that will help fortify your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that you guys are taking that message and applying it to a product. Like, yeah, this isn't a sweet product. Mm-hmm. We're not putting extra sugar in it. And it might taste a little bitter the first few times, but it is better for you. And all of a sudden, you're going to learn to fall in love with that the same way that you learn to fall in love with a cold plunge or a difficult workout. Even a black black coffee. Like your taste palate adapts to the, the function of it, right? The benefits that you receive, the, the conscious altering. Like I remember the first beer I tried when I was a kid. I was like, why do parents drink this? It tastes like <laughs> piss. <laughs> yeah. Um, not that I've tasted piss, but... Yeah, I mean, you start to associate, like it, it adapts, right? So. Yeah, it does. Well, and then what happens is your identity starts to um, be associated with, you, well, you start to think of yourself as, I'm the kind of person who takes on a challenge. Mm-hmm. If, if someone falls down in a restaurant and they need CPR, I'm the person who's going to get up and act. Right, you 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 decide that you are this kind of person mm-hmm. in this life, and it really is as simple as deciding. But it takes a number of these experiences, whether it's cold plunges or surfing a wave that's a little bit out of your league, or taking on a project that you're not really sure that you can pull off, to fortify that identity. And then all of a sudden, you start gravitating towards the products, the people, and the experiences that will help you to achieve more. You know, it's similar to like people who who want feedback and people who don't, yeah. you know? There are a lot of people in LA who are famous but totally fucked up in the head and they've just surrounded themselves like a like a white blood cell with people who are just yes men. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what Lance Armstrong talked about. He's like, everyone on my bus was just saying, go, 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 keep it going. He's like, I really wish I would have had someone to pull me back from that ledge. Yeah. And those conversations aren't always easy. It's like what you're talking about with firing people. It's not That's, easy. That's not Mountain Dew. That's mud yeah. water. You all need a Tyrion Lannister. Yeah. You need a Tyrion Lannister. You can Fuck, say everyone needs a Tyrion Lannister. You can say like, I don't personally like you know I don't have a Facebook account. I never did. I you could say what you want about Mark Zuckerberg, but he, I mean he's an, arguably one of the best CEOs, and one of his personality traits is he goes out of his way to find bad feedback. And that's another thing you should you know screen for in a leader. Like, if, let's say you come to me and you're like, oh my god, Mudwater is amazing. Like, I can't do anything with that. If if I'm like well, what would, if there was one thing you could change, what would that be? Or what didn't you like about it? Or like you find people who didn't like your stuff and that's not fun to hang around in those like conversations. You'd rather hear all great things, but if you do hang out in those conversations, they're all actionable and you can, when you win those customers back, they end up staying longer traditionally. But that is like a true testament of a great CEO or leader. They like try to find and anticipate the next big challenge or go out of their way to find out like what people don't like. Right. Do you want to live in the Truman show? <laughs> right. Truman's like, he, he's, he's living in this world where everyone is reinforcing this reality yeah. that is false. Yeah. You know, the emperor has no clothes and I don't want to live in that world. No. I want that. I want feedback as quickly as possible so that I can find out if I have spinach in my teeth. Yeah, you, and you start to, I think... If I have some mud water in my teeth, no one's going to tell me. It's a little bit of a tangent, but like why you see these entrepreneurial circles get tighter knit and why like there's so much like of these circles hanging out with each other is that when you get to that zone for yourself personally and you don't take that stuff seriously or personally like bad feedback and you start to look at that, like Shane and I are, I think really good at this for each other, like challenging each other when that's not, doesn't feel personal. 
it's it's such an incredible asset and you can't trade that in you just always want people around that have that cadence with you it just keeps you honest it keeps you like moving forward like personally professionally you know it's always going to be the truth um it's just an it's a benchmark that like you don't want to come back under yeah it's a kind of closeness that you can't buy yeah yeah and uh you know i i think that kind of circling back around to mindfulness i've found that when i take the time to slow down in the morning i'm able to give people more honest answers Mm -hmm. like one of the worst things about having a podcast is that sometimes I'll come in a little too jacked up and anxious and I'll say something that I don't actually mean. (laughs) I'll say it just because it was a tangent or a funny thing and then I'll listen back to it and be like, I don't even believe that. Mm -hmm. Why did I, I just said that because I was afraid of dead airtime. Oh man, dude, that was like my biggest fear. Like thinking about this podcast, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to react because it's like a popular thing to say and might not even mean it. Mm. To like yeah really you, you really don't and yeah. like i've found that there have been been some moments or like i one thing that i'm i try and be very diligent about is that if i say an idea that i took from someone else mm-hmm. i'll credit that person yeah because i've done it before where i'll i'll start saying this idea and like like i fucking listened to that in a tim ferris episode <laughs> <laughs> that was not an original idea yeah. and i think that there's a i mean that's all another huge fear that i have is just becoming unoriginal. I think that there are so many people who don't have their own personalities and they've just become this this aggregate of other pe- other people's ideas. I would challenge that a little because like history has repeated itself, you know, so many times before we got here and there's so many books and information out there that like it's just a testament of wisdom to just not make the same mistakes and to listen to other people and if you happen to, you know, regurgitates not the most optimal word for this point but like if you happen to regurgitate something that's smart because just because you didn't have it i would not label yourself as unoriginal you're just passing off like that information to another audience that wouldn't have heard it otherwise i think there's a balance yeah i think that there's a balance and i appreciate it when people give credit for an idea that they learned or read about to someone who who came up with that idea originally and i I just think that it's very corrosive in the podcast space and i hear people who will state an idea like it's their own Mm. and it wasn't and because i heard the original podcast and i think that's that's, interesting i think that's bullshit i think it's a form of plagiarism and like and look we're, we're free flowing in a conversation so you can't be perfect all the time but i think that there's there's a balance between um getting a bunch of good information out there and and thank God that we're in this time where people can just listen to this podcast and hopefully they'll get something that's informative and helpful to them, but then finding that center within themselves and, and continuing to ask the question, how can I be the best Mm. person I can be and who am I really? Because Mm -hmm. I mean, none of us, I would argue are going to be the best in the world at anything. So the only thing that we can really try and be the best at is ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So when you when you think about it that way, then all of a sudden any information that's coming into you is just to help create the best you mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Silence. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly believe that I did. That TED talk I did is all around like you have to be yourself. Like you have to. Like the world needs you to be you. Um, so 100% agree. And I think most of the the thoughts that or the ideas that you maybe adopt 
you're adopting it because it resonates with you in some way. And that resonation, I think, like, for me, I define that as, like, it almost feels like you already knew that. Right. And you're, like, like you all of a sudden harmonize with that person, what they're saying or what you're reading. Um, and I think that just becomes, like, in the fabric of your personality all of a sudden. Like, I've listened to so many podcasts, but, like, you could ask me about what I heard on X, like, any of them. Like, I can't really remember specifics, but... I know for a fact it's now woven into who I am, you know, in some way. And even if I can't draw on the ideas in some capacity, it's like I'm, I'm still moved by it. Right? Well, I think that you are one of the best examples of someone who has taken a lot of those ideas after having listened to a thousand Joe Rogan episodes and learned about, you know, the benefits of mushrooms and fitness and mm. um I'm sure you've listened to a lot of podcasts about how to start a company, but you're still you like mm. those little punny, like remarks that you mm. make are, are t trademark Shane. He sure hundred <laughs> percent. And you've never lost that. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I think that you've, you've struck probably a better balance than just about anyone I've met. And, uh, it's, it's really cool, man. I mean that the two companies that are sponsoring my podcast, Mudwater and Santa Cruz Medicinals are founded by people who, love podcasts and have and have gained a lot of their ideas through this information and then mm -hmm. it's blossomed into their own thing yeah yeah podcasts have been so huge for me because I, I remember i was living in san francisco commuting like an hour each way to work and i was like this is such a bad thing for me but i was listening to podcasts every day and so looking back on it it was like almost the best thing for me it was like better than university or something like that you know it was more inspirational and um I was so engaged because I was like it, it was the opposite of wasted time I was like I'm, if I'm gonna be commuting to work I'm gonna actually like listen to this stuff and it was new and exciting like I remember bringing that one podcast over to your house you know dude like, you introduced me day. to the first podcast I ever listened to yeah Joe Rogan and Aubrey Marcus and I it remember was the first one they had ever done together it was insane. Or yeah, like, number what's, one. What's ayahuasca? Yeah, like, what is this stuff? You see dragons? <laughs> Snakes? I want to see a dragon. Yeah. But that, that podcast really resonated with me. I feel like I was, at the time, just, like, thinking a lot about, like, there's just more out there in my mind. And um, I, I didn't have, I think, like, maybe just our friend circle at that time, we weren't, like, turned on to that stuff yet. And, like, I was like... I, did, I just didn't have any outlet, you know, there's no in, or input, like there's nothing coming in or out, but I like want it, I just like avoid. And listening to that podcast, I'm like, well, there's other people out here like thinking about this stuff, like not even that I, I knew what to think about, but it, it was almost as though like it, it was met, like it was calling to me, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, that, that really resonated with me. And yeah, I remember before I moved to LA, you were dabbling with the idea of doing podcasting. I remember we were slacklining over at Jade Street Park and you just got back from filming a documentary, doing some background, like behind the scenes interviews. And you were talking about how you, there were so many stories that were getting overlooked because they had this narrative that they wanted to talk about. And you're like, I could have dove in so deep. I was like, dude, you need to do a podcast. It's so perfect for who you are as a person. Like your desire for travel, for meeting new people, all these things. And it's just been really cool to see you do it. Did you get inspired by doing mushrooms from a podcast or was it like, because I remember that being like intertwined with the night you decided to make mud for the first mm -hmm. time. No, I mean, I think I had tried mushrooms beforehand. Um, I, I guess you could say I was inspired by I knew you tried it festivals. beforehand, but like, was there like more of an intentional reason 
the next uh, time I think around. I, was, I was still kind of bought into the somewhat of the stigma around it mm-hmm. and podcasting really opened it around up psychedel- to, psychedelic around mushrooms. psychedelics right like any psychedelic really but even though I had an amazing time like the first time I did it was at Coachella at a music festival but I kind of like branched off from all my friends and went to the stage where there was a, a live artist painting and at this time I was I was into art and I was doing design but I, I was in college and I was kind of living with bunch of kids we were just having tons of fun it wasn't really focused mindful like I didn't know where I was going in life at the time and I sat there and watched this artist his name was John Park like like to the day one of my favorite artists and watched him creating amongst this like just dirty bass music and I was dancing there's like <laughs> there was actually it rained the night before so it was like muddy on the ground it just felt like we were in this like transported into this jungle space and I was watching him paint and I was just like I'm going to do this like I'm going to paint live at these kind of festivals and it wasn't about like the painting that we, he was painting I can't even remember it. it was about the act of him painting expressing his creativity in front of all these people that inspired me to go and, and do that and and part of that inspiration was like I want to inspire other people to figure out whatever it is that they want to do um, that puts them on their edge or gives them that same feeling right where they're it's almost like creating is proof that you exist like you you put something out there in the world and now you're like i'm here like i actually am here oh, that's like, profound you live, you live in your head a lot yeah and to give credit like i heard <laughs> I, <laughs> it's not all me but it did resonate with me so um there's an artist named ed moses who he lived in venice he's kind of like this venice legend and i got the opportunity to paint his portrait after he passed away um he started the venice art walk which is this big thing sponsored by google now and i painted his portrait put it up at um, Google, oddly enough, that painting sold for the most I've ever sold a painting for, and this was right after I started Mud, and I had a maxed out credit card, and no capacity to really grow, and so literally like funded the project. Anyways, doing the research on him, which is something I do whenever I do a portrait of somebody who's well known. Um, he wrote this quote about that essentially, and it was like, "Why do you paint?" And he talks about how it's similar to. Um, you know how he thinks like why cave painters were painting like they were proving their existence they're going into other realms in their mind and exploring their their perception like it's almost before we had you know they talk about the dual mind there's the observer um and it's going into that and then creating from that space and that's unique to you and then putting that into the world and other people are interacting with it and now you can say that you you were here right like you it's also it's tactile you, proof. Yeah, it's uniquely human. I'm reading that book Sapiens right now, mm-hmm. and there's a photo in the beginning of uh, it was one of the earliest pieces of art that they had yeah. found of yeah. um, of it was a man with a lion's face on it. He said this is this is uniquely human because we're the only species that can create fiction that we know about, mm-hmm. and this ability to create fiction to mm-hmm. create. Um, something that doesn't really exist in the world is what has allowed us doesn't find, exist yet doesn't yeah. exist yet yeah. but we can imagine it it's our mm-hmm. imagination mm-hmm. Um, is what can has allowed us to grow into um, basically has, has allowed civilization to grow to the degree that it has because mm-hmm. invention was built off that premise right, right because it's, mm-hmm. because you are um, you're creating an idea and getting other people to believe in it even before it's real, but that can amass a huge amount of power from starting a war to starting a company to creating a nation state. Well, even in that book, it's, it's, it's fascinating because like one of the theories is that we've, we, we created fire too early and it allowed us to cook 
food and that made our brains way faster than the environment around us. And you're like, well, you can't think about creating fire unless you have creativity. So to that point, like, were we too creative too fast? Like we might still be, we might be, we wouldn't know. It's still such a small sample size in the, yeah. among a five Such billion an interesting years. point that, yeah. it, that by um, being able to cook food over fire, it allowed us to ingest enough calories mm. in a short enough amount mm-hmm. of time that then all of a sudden we could do all this other shit mm-hmm. where you don't, you don't need to eat some like stick and like <laughs> some yeah. leaf. Like you just cook it over a fire and yeah. eat it a lot more quickly. Yeah, yeah. The hierarchy of needs got met and then it's like, what, what else do we do? Yeah. What else can we do? Yeah. yeah. Let's build a raft. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Australia. Um, one thing that I liked about, about what you said about um, painting live is that you are, showing people your process and mm-hmm. by that you are creating it um a space where someone who might be more interested in in art gets to s- kind of see themselves within that process it's not a finished product you know mm-hmm. because if you see a finished painting and you're interested in getting into art it's it seems so far beyond you it's really difficult to see yourself mm-hmm. in that but watching an artist go through their struggle um it it opens it up in a similar way that I think podcasts do too, because a hu- I mean, one of my favorite things to do on podcasts is talk about people's process, and then all of a sudden people are, can think, "Oh, maybe I could do that." And chances are, you can if you think you can. It just mm-hmm. takes a certain amount of time and dedication to pull it off. Yeah, creating a polished painting takes time and ugly phases. Like to see it live and happen is definitely empowering. Where you're like, "Oh, that's how it's made." Um, you see the inner workings of it. And for me, I think I first got exposed to that concept growing up. My dad was a builder, or is a builder, he's been doing construction for like 40 years and designed and built like all the homes we've lived in. So I saw like architectural plans turn into physical spaces that I would literally sleep in. Um, Which, so, I mean, looking back, like has probably had a huge impact on my creativity, how I look at things, like almost like anything's possible, like this feeling of that. Um, like so, many so many possibilities. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's that phrase resonated with me for that reason. That's how I look at a lot of things um, for good and bad. Like I can see the potential good and bad side of things. What is so many possibilities? Um, so many possibilities is my Instagram handle. That's about it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, so I met a guy when I, I, he was my neighbor living down in San Diego. He kind of became like he, I call him my big brother. Uh, he started the company SMP actually. So you remember that company? Sex, money, day? power. That's what we thought. Yeah. So that was my first question. <laughs> I was like, is that what it stands for? And he's like, well, it actually like me and it was just me and a bunch of friends like surfing and snowboarding and we just call it smoke more pot. Uh, and then it turned into a bunch of different things. Right. And it became, you know, sex, money, power. There's a bunch of them. And uh, so many possibilities was one of them that he told me. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't even tell him at the time, but like for something like hit me right then. And I was like that, that phrase like really resonates with how I look at life all the time. Um, and even like if you look at how I paint, it's like I start with a black canvas and then like oftentimes throw a bunch of different colors and weird things. And like nobody could really tell what it's going to be like. I sometimes don't know and I, let, I just kind of pull it out. But like um, I always feel like it's going to work out. But there's also it's like open for possibility. Like I don't like make it super exact. Like I don't sketch it in and be like, it has to be this way. It's a very malleable approach. Why do you paint celebrities? Um, I did a series, I mean, when I was trying to learn how to paint, I wanted to challenge myself and I felt like one of the more challenging things was to try to paint somebody that like you would recognize. 
because like it's just so open for criticism <laughs> you're like that doesn't look like that person at all yeah. um so that was definitely one reason um a lot of things i do i'll do it based on some sort of intuition and then i can kind of like look back and be like why did i do that or was is there more meaning to it and so with that it turned into this interesting thing where I started painting celebrities and, and also was painting kind of these more, um, I guess you'd call them like psychedelic paintings or they I, I would call them more in like the realm of mindfulness. Right. And so I had this show and half of the wall, like one half on the right side was all of like these celebrities, but kind of painted in a way that made them look ridiculous. It was like Donald Trump, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian barfing rainbows and Donald Trump was like exploding. And on the other side, it was more of these like, mind expanding type paintings like these more beautiful faces that were just more it made you like think about um like expansion i guess of your your psyche and the concept be like of that juxtaposition was like right now we're in this time where social media is like putting this huge light on these celebrities and how is that affecting culture but at the same time maybe it's just more where we are living on the over here in california or la and there's like this big mindfulness thing that's growing at the same time as well that's massive like festivals psychedelics yoga meditation all these things are also growing and gaining um gaining a lot of momentum and so for me it was talking about like what is going to win and what is going to influence the youth maybe more importantly um and have i think like whatever wins that battle like whatever becomes like grabs a hold of culture more it's going to determine like the future of where it goes so that was that was where it turned into. I feel that a hundred percent because I get to spend so much time with inspiring people. My circle is um, made up of people who are who are really pushing themselves and looking at the world through a more holistic approach. They value nature differently than our current economy values nature. They think that there's some kind of intrinsic value in it. And many times they see themselves within it. Um, and it makes me feel like, wow, yeah, the world's really waking up. And then mm -hmm. I go into the Houston airport and I'm like, holy shit, there are these two worlds that are mm -hmm. colliding. And I agree with you. I do think that it's, um, you know, Terrence McKenna said one of the most powerful things you can do is to opt out. And I think that there are a huge amount of people who are opting out of the current system and something a, a new one is emerging and it will be really beautiful if it prevails. Really? I think that, I think that there's an argument that the divide is getting wider and then the tails are getting bigger. So like, I mean, that's a rose colored glasses way of putting it that I just said. So I do I, think that it could also just, uh, result in a civil war. Yeah. You know? the, or, or the, the Shane's going to be throwing his paint at the, <laughs> at the, Maybe. the white or, supremacists. Or the, the, um, celebrities could, like, okay, so another series I'm doing is where I'm painting, like, homeless people, too. Um, but I'm painting them in in a way that would typically be reserved for, like, an influencer, like, somebody who, like, quote-unquote, like, deserves it, deserves that praise. Um, you look at a lot of celebrities that, you know, we just discussed, and, and there's tons more, like, famous musicians, like, people who get that sort of fame, people who probably, who a lot of people would argue are influencing culture on that level they're suffering from similar mental disorders that the people that are put out on the street with no, mm. no voice are getting. Um, and then you have this rise in, in psychedelics and this mindfulness, uh, and that's like healing people from those same ailments. So, mm. um, you could talk about it becoming this divide or you could talk about it. Like that's actually going to heal the people who are actually influencing culture and thus 
expedite the process mm-hmm. of it actually winning. Right. And I think that I just framed it in an inaccurate way, which is that there's good and evil. I think that there's um, people who have been exposed to certain kinds of knowledge and people who haven't. Mm-hmm. Because when you realize how much better it can be to live an examined life, you don't want to go back. Mm. And when you find out that there are methods to work through your trauma as a child and really grow into a new you, you're not going to want to go back. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is maybe more accurately the two worlds that we're dealing with right now. And a lot of people are acting out their childhood trauma in a way that is you know, harmful to themselves and, and the world. But I've met enough people who've, who've worked through that and created a change. There's a huge spider down uh, below the floor there. Yeah, this office is suspect. Is <laughs> you guys don't. <laughs> well, guys, let's, uh, let's, let's finish it off on... Uh, did, did you have a point to... No, I was, I was going to just comment on like how bullish I am on psychedelics and maps for the PTSD and trauma component of it. Like... I think that's a lot of the reason we donate. I mean, it was his idea to donate, but I've since dug in on it and like what's happening in those trials with microdosing and the testimonials coming back from it are, are just so encouraging. And I, I, I can't wait till that becomes more mainstream as like a, um, uh, like a form factor to help people. It's just, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah. All. Yeah. It can happen so quickly. I, uh, I interviewed, interviewed Peter Atia and he's I heard that. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah. He's so smart. He said, uh, I'm not convinced that there's a more relevant synthetic compound than MDMA. Than MDMA. Yeah. Bringing yeah. those two worlds together. Mm-hmm. Let's all hug it out. Mm-hmm. Throw some paint on a canvas at a festival. Let's take some it. psychedelics. <laughs> I got paint on my arm from last weekend still. Um, well, no, I wanted to finish it off, um, on a, a very personal note. Um, Shane, tell me about your relationship with spiders. <laughs> Actually, I have a, a different relationship with them now. I'm not quite as afraid. Um, when I went to Peru and did an ayahuasca retreat, actually, one night I was walking back to my uh, my hut in the jungle, and I was looking, I had my headlamp on, and I was looking down at the grass, and there's like this dew that was like shining back at me, and it was this beautiful thing. So, you know, I decided to like get down on all fours and just really take a closer look. And uh, <laughs> upon ex- further examination, <laughs> It turns out that each one of those shining lights was actually a reflection off of a spider's eye. And like, there's just the whole ground was just covered in spiders. But but in that space, I was just like, I just started cracking up and thought back to like our friend Ramon, who used to just put like spiders in my car. And I just just brought back, there's a lot. I just started. Wait, he would put put spiders in your car? I'm sure he has. Like he, it was just always, uh, yeah, a battle. I think he's put a couple of spiders in my car. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and crickets and <laughs> uh, but yeah well, I don't kill them as much so I, I, I run yeah. new relationship with spides yeah that's where this has all come for full circle it's just me it's my uh, expression of running from my spider fear mm. yeah. you guys um, I'm such a fan of what you do Thank you. You keep, too, man. Yeah. Thank you. Keep it going. Yeah. And uh, happy to be working with you and look forward to seeing where mud is in the next couple of years. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I actually was uh, up at, uh, I was doing some cleaning out of my um, pantry the other day and I found um, a, a big box of chaga, a big box of reishi, um, this like other mix that were all the original mud ingredients because 
I, you turned me on to it. You're like, hey, try this mud. And then I was like, man, this is really good. And you sent me all the separate Amazon links to the different um, mm-hmm. ingredients that I would have to brew myself. But then mud water took off so quickly, I couldn't even get through my initial ingredients. It's like, here, I did it for you. Exactly. Yeah. Well done. Um, where can people get more involved in the mud? Uh, com. Uh, that's our website. You can follow us at drinkmudwater.com. Or, sorry, drinkmudwater. Um, yeah, we're, we try to be a very personal company, so you could reach out to us directly at drinkatmudwater.com. It's our email. Uh, shoot us a DM, all that. And try you to have, respond. Do you have any uh, art shows coming up? Um, yeah, so I'm planning an art show here at our office. Uh, it'll be mid-July. Um, it'll be a bunch of paintings I've created over the last year or two, and we'll be serving up mud. We'll probably have music. Um, a bunch, a couple other brands probably will partner with us. So yeah, it'll be really fun. I'll, I'll be posting that for sure online. Nice. Yeah. And and uh, where can people come by the Mud Hut? Yeah, so we have a, a pop-up space on Abbott Kinney. It's at 1301 Abbott Kinney inside of the store called Vardigan. Uh, we serve free samples there. We also have products available there and, um, and new products, including like samples of our creamer and maca, a bunch of good stuff. Excellent, guys. Yeah, Th- man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. That's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song called Lovers Can Be Friends by Bottom Feeder. And Bottom Feeder made the intro and outro music to this podcast. So if you want to listen to more of his beats, click the link below. You can also check it out on my website, kyle.surf, underneath the podcast episode. My website, kyle.surf, is where you can check out my documentaries. It's where you can sign up for the email list. I send out an email about once a month. Um, It's where you can check out all of my best travel gear. I just added a new section um, that includes everything that I bring on my trips, my go-to kit, um, my podcast gear, as well as books I love. Um, And I'm an Amazon affiliate, so if you buy any of that stuff through my website, kyle.surf, I'll get a small percentage of the purchase at no cost to you. So if you want to support the show um, in a really easy way, and if you buy stuff on Amazon, please go to my website, buy stuff off there. Um, There's actually a link at the top where, where it says, you know, stuff I love, you click that. And there's a little banner. And if you use that portal, whenever you buy stuff on Amazon, you can just bookmark it in your, in, uh, in your bookmarks tab. I'll get a little percentage of everything you buy on Amazon. Um, so I appreciate everyone who does that. It really does add up. Um, and for everyone who leaves this show ratings on iTunes, thank you very much. It does help uh, boost the visibility of it. Thank you to everyone who uh, hit up Shane and Paul at Mudwater on Instagram. Say, hey, I enjoyed the, the episode. Thanks for sponsoring Kyle's podcast. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it, guys. Um, yeah, my guests really like hearing from you. Uh, and you can get 10 bucks off your first subscription at Mudwater by going to mudwtr.com. You can also get 10% off of all supplements at scmedicinals.com. So if you need some CBD-infused nootropics in your life, maybe some CBD-infused olive oil, get 10% off. Go to scmedicinals.com. And with that, hope you enjoy this song called Lovers Can Be Friends. I'll see you all next week. I hope that you have a wonderful day and I hope that you can go out there and uh, make someone's day. Give them a good compliment or a high five or uh, make someone laugh. The world needs more of it. Thanks everyone for listening. See you soon.
was much too loud. They say, they say, they say. You must be more gentle. Try again. again. again.